0: It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure.
1: You got this. Adidas. All right, folks. Welcome back to the latest Mount West football podcast. Double-digit weeks. Awesome, but not awesome, Matt. MWR.com's website. Week 10 preview. We're here, right? Things are getting, things are getting real. It's November football now.
0: That's true. We're down in the last stretch. Amazingly enough, it seems like just yesterday we we're talking about you know, Boise State and UCF and all that.
1: Oh my goodness, that game! Whew. Yeah, this uh, we'll get to all the games this week. It's uh, we have a uh, always some great matchups, like uh, interesting matchups to go through. But first, we got the college football player rankings, and you did our projection. Like, hey, here's what might happen. Um, you were very shocked that a two loss Fresno State team made the list at all. Yeah. At what, number 23.
0: Yes. Yeah, and a lot of that I, has, has to do with the fact that the college football playoff committee had never, in the initial rankings at least, put a two-loss group of five team in the top 25, in the first one, anyway. You know, there have been other teams, and I think, you know, obviously the one that probably comes to mind most easily is the 2014 Boise State team that had been, that eventually ended up in mm-hmm. the Fiesta Bowl with two losses, so it's not like it was maybe an impossible ask. It was just that you know, given six, seven years of evidence, we hadn't seen the committee seem inclined to do that in the past. And so, I just sort of took a dim view of what Fresno State might look like relative to you know other Power Five teams that I thought might get ranked. Um, I can't remember exactly who I put in there, but I mean, you know, I had North Carolina State, for instance, near the bottom of the top twenty-five, and it seems like the committee thought very highly of that wolf pack out there in Raleigh. So yeah, it didn't necessarily work out the way that I envisioned, like the the mountain West in particular seemed to get a lot more love than I anticipated that they would.
1: Can I play conspiracy theory to why I think both teams are ranked? Why is that? Do you want to take a guess why Fresno state's ranked besides being a good football team? Well, I know what you're going to say. I know you're going to say it's prop up Oregon. <laughs> There's that plus also standing go state, they beat Utah and then Utah play Oregon in a couple weeks. That's I, true. Like, like, I make the joke and I don't really think it's true, but sometimes you wonder because that gets Oregon two top 25 wins Ohio State and them because they're number four. Mm-hmm. And it's, I'd like to think that's not the case, but the playoff committee does some interesting things like they go off, like which we've seen. Strength schedule. I can beat a bunch of P5 teams. That's why BYU is 15 and UTSA that's undefeated is not ranked at all. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And so, and so like
0: the, the thing behind that, and you can, you can include Houston and SMU. I know there was a lot of Correct. people crying about you know the American getting shut out, but including Mike Resco. but all three, all three <laughs> of those teams have a schedule in the triple digits or, or rather yeah. a strength of schedule in the triple digits. And it hasn't always been a given that those teams are going to get a lot of love immediately you know, we've seen in the past that like teams like Marshall, I think a couple of years ago, you know, it took them a couple, yeah, it took them a couple of weeks, I think to, to get into the top 25, but they didn't start there right away if, if memory serves. And so it, there isn't a tremendous amount of difference between, you know, that handful of teams in like, for instance, San Diego state, which I thought was interesting, but you know, to your point, San Diego state's got a better win than any of those teams on their schedule. And so, you know, even though the Aztecs' own strength of schedule, I believe, is also sort of in like the high triple digits. So, you know, you're,
1: real quick, you're telling me Utah's, well, just to be clear, not just to say something about me, whatever, me, but we, SM, so you're saying better win that Utah's a better win that's five and three than SMU that has one loss for Houston? Who is SMU beaten? Well, they beat Houston. Um, no, well, no, okay. I
0: mean. Houston beat SMU, but who is SMU beaten?
1: That's true. Good point. So, I'm getting that. So, I was just wondering, yeah. The answer is basically so. nobody. And that's also true okay. of Cincinnati.
0: Like, I know that's not necessarily the focus of our conversation. But, you know, I know a lot of people were pointing out that, oh, well, they thought they were shoo-in for the top four. Well, Cincinnati came into this playoff rankings in almost the exact same position that they entered last year's rankings.
1: Weren't they, they like eight
0: or something right on top 10? They, they went into the AP poll number seven, and they were slotted in at number seven in last year's CFP rankings. And so this year, they came with the exact same record, almost the exact same schedule of strength. So, you know, I, I talk talked about, well, okay, yeah, they have Notre Dame. And, and I think a lot of people were giving Gary Barta grief for like, okay, well, who else have they beaten? But that's sort of true because, you know, the, the next best win on their schedule is a depleted UCF team who, you know, again, if you look at who UCF has beaten, it's, it's not really that much to write home about. Okay. And then, and then their third best win is against a Miami of Ohio team that just lost to a one loss Ohio last night. So
1: in you know, the, the two-lane that,
0: struggle, they'll beat them by 10 points. they, they, like, pu- they pummel they pummeled the bottom of the American, more or less. And so, you yeah. know, yes, it's nice that they have a top 10 win, but that is basically all that they have. And they're gonna they're gonna get their shot, especially if like Houston keeps winning and they're on a collision course for the American championship game right now. I would don't imagine... they also play
1: SMU Do they play SMU as well?
0: I don't remember if SMU was on the schedule off the top of my head. All I don't have see. it in front of me. <laughs> But the I idea is like you know something. Cincinnati's. Go they're going to have chances to improve their standing, but they've got they've Barely. got to like have the best teams left on their schedule play up to their potential. Like they need SMU to keep winning. They need Houston to keep winning so that those teams can maybe be top twenty five team Notre wins down, down the line rather than maybe you know top forty teams.
1: Yeah. They play, uh, let's see, yeah, they play scb and probably Houston, so that'll be helpful. But the problem with that, it's like the basketball thing, like me, when Amy and Andy did our basketball preview the other day, so go check out our two-hour show, so I'll hear about that. Mm-hmm. But the basketball reason I bring up, because Gary Pierce CBS, and it's 100% true, and it's always been true, there's a reason Syracuse and basketball is always on the bubble to be close. They're gifted they are blessed. They're handed over in a silver platter. Like in basketball, a bunch of Quadrant One wins, like typically mm. top 50, top 70 teams. So they're gifted half of their, lead, like, 10 to 15, 18 games. Like, they play a 20-game schedule or whatever they play in these basketball, 18-game basketball schedules. At least half are quality games. Since can't go on and schedule six P5 teams they want to, they can't do what BYU does or any other independent. They have to play who they have, same with Fresno, San Diego State, Boise State, Utah State. They can't schedule as many teams that are considered like power five wins because that's just impossible with the schedule. And so that's a bit weighted. It accurately, yeah, I mean, yeah, I would yes say. and no.
0: Because you know, when I wrote the article to begin with, I thought that they're there, you know, if you look in terms of strength of schedule, especially the only team with the exact same record with a very similar strength of schedule is Wake Forest.
1: Yeah, they're one,
0: Yeah, and they're number nine in the rankings. And and when you look at who the Demon Deacons have played, you know Old Dominion is not good. Norfolk Stakes in that FCS team—that's not going to move the needle. Florida State's mediocre. Virginia's solid. You know, Louisville is okay. Syracuse is sort of middling. You know, Army is you know maybe pretty better. good. Um, so you know, you look at but that, the point
1: being is that his, him saying the opportunities aren't there. Him saying, well, who even played? They, I know what you're saying the schedule that they're similar, but Wake plays whatever you want to think of UNC. But what I'm getting at, these teams that aren't in the conference don't have chances to do that, they can't just go on schedule. Whoever, it's like, could mm-hmm. you play well? We're locked into only four games that are on our schedule that we have to play. There's only four games we can actually maneuver and change. Mm-hmm. Whereas everybody else gets whatever you play nine power eight power five games. Probably if you're sitting in the Big Ten or SEC, like you play four or five teams that could be at some point ranked in the top 25, maybe six. They I'm, don't just, I'm just saying, Cincinnati's, Cincinnati's got like
0: one win that moves the needle. It's a better win than Wake Forest well, has, know. but Wake Forest's top three wins are probably better than Cincinnati's top three wins. I get it, but the chances are there for Cincinnati to go out and
1: schedule Notre Dame, like all these four. They can't go out and schedule four Big Ten teams to play. They, if they do, that's only four, and everybody else has six to six to ten.
0: I mean, I get, I get what a, you're, I plan, you're saying, just, but like, but down the, the stretch. Down the stretch, Wake Forest gets to play Clemson. Clemson is not anywhere near where they were, you know, in the last several years. You know, neither is Boston College. Neither is, you know, oh, I guess North Carolina State's maybe the exception here. But yeah. I just, you know, I I look at what Cincinnati has done, and yeah, they get credit for beating Notre Dame, but they don't have anything else right now. And they're gonna they're gonna get the chance to, but yeah. we'll see.
1: Yeah, we'll see. It'll change a million times. It's just, just that the chances for. That's all I'm getting now. Like not to repeat again, but last like other teams have more chances to. Hey, you got seven Power Five wins because you played. I also years. I also
0: put it out there on Twitter, and I regretted doing it almost immediately after I did it. That okay. uh, that that Fresno State's got the path wide open for them if Cincinnati stumbles.
1: I was about to ask you that same thing. Like all you got to win, you got to win your conference, and they're head of UTSA. They're head of
0: um, Coastal, who's struggling. So yeah. And that and that's that's true of San Diego State as well. Obviously they need help, you know, they need another loss um to be able to get to the Mountain West Championship, you know, with one loss on on the ledger. But you know, if the Aztecs keep winning and if they get help if like if Utah keeps playing well, if other teams on their schedule that they beat and keep playing well, like Air Force, like Fresno State, yeah, then you know, the Aztecs have that opportunity right there. So I think they're, they're definitely both rooting for whoever is playing against Cincinnati in the weeks to come because there's still a lot at stake for both those two teams.
1: There is. Just one last, I think SMU Houston would jump either of those teams. So there's that too to consider.
0: Maybe. Mm-hmm.
1: I'll say yes for now, and we'll leave it there. We'll go. Okay. Guess what? These things are like – this top 25 will probably have 16 different teams by next week. That's you know probably like, true, yeah. <laughs> but Thanksgiving, there will be probably – well, maybe not that many, but I could see 10 of these teams be not being ranked mm-hmm. in a couple weeks. So, all right, let's get to our games this week. Week 10 preview. We have two non-conference games, including affiliate Mountain West member on uh, Mexico State. Uh, of course, that will
0: be a mm-hmm. good preview.
1: But Army and Air Force is playing at the freaking Choctaw Stadium. Is that how you pronounce it? Where the Texas Rangers play?
0: Uh, I thought it was Globe Life Field or whatever they're calling it these days. Right here it says Choctaw. Oh, did they change the name? Probably. I remember
1: it was Globe. Let's take a peek and see. No, it's called Choctaw Stadium in Arlington. So. Okay. Whatever. Again, a former name was Globe Life. I Globe Life Park. I'm not sure when that changed. But Army, Air Force, I'm like, whatever. It's a lame location. However, Air Force, <laughs> we've talked about Army a bit, but Air Force is a much better team. It's a 9.30 a.m mountain kickoff so early early kickoff even before this will be i believe the first game to kick off of the day on cbs i believe you're right regular cbs people cuz it's usually got the new eastern uh, kickoff so air force is uh, oh man picture point favorite did you see the over under at 37
0: that does not surprise me
1: air force it's going to blow past that come on man air force can score 25 of those on their own think so why not
0: I mean, I guess it really depends on how real ARMY is. Because, and I I feel like I'm getting a little bit of deja vu because I feel like we have this conversation every single year about the Black Knights when when this game comes around. Yeah. And, you know, I still don't know how good they are because you can sort of break down their season in a lot of respects into the first four weeks and the last three weeks that they've had. So, like Mm -hmm. in September, they were pretty dominant. All things considered, you know they they had a a one score win over Western Kentucky, but you know they took care of business. They got off to a four and zero start. You know they ran for over five yards carry in three of those four wins, and then the calendar flipped to October, and now Mm -hmm. all of a sudden they've had a lot more trouble running the football. And I wonder coincidentally whether that has to do with the improved level of competition that they've faced in the last few weeks. So like, you know, on the road at Boston, three and a a half yards per carry on the road at Wisconsin, three and a half yards per carry. they had a little, they had a little more success last or a couple of weeks ago against, against wake forest. We just talked about six yards per carry, but like, how many of those teams actually play defense? you know you look at who they played Georgia State, Western Kentucky, Yukon, Miami of Ohio. Mm. Not a lot of teams with a lot of stellar defense is there outside of the Badgers, I would I'm say
1: like Air Force has defense
0: and that's that's the rub because mm-hmm. you know on the one hand, I, I think if there's potential trouble for the Falcons, it's that you know, depending on what you believe, you know they've maybe not been quite as stout against the run as you might suspect. You know, if you look at, for instance, your uh, expected points added allowed per rush, the the Falcons are only 83rd on on defense, while Air, Army's run game is 11th. And so that you know, that's one thing that they have in common. They're both top 20 in terms of uh, EPA you know, on the ground. But it seems like, you know, Air Force has given up a little more ground per carry, or rather, you know, teams have had a little more success running the football than their 3.49 yards per carry allowed average would indicate. And so, you know, I think that's sort of backed up by some of the more advanced metrics, like they're only 50th in terms of opportunity rate, you know, they're triple digits in terms of power success rate. And so I, I look at those two numbers in particular against this army ground game that, you know, assuming their quarterback Christian Anderson is healthy and it seems like the the latest indication is that he's going to get he's going to play after getting knocked out a couple weeks ago mm-hmm. against the against the Deacons. You know, Correct. he he's a guy who averaged like what, six, seven yards a carry.
1: Yeah, but that Wake Forest game, they put up like 60 points or whatever it
0: was. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. You know, so I, yeah, I know. You know it's like, if he's back. Yeah. So I think one of, the, one of the big questions is, you know, where does this Falcons defense and especially this Falcons front seven, where does it fall on that spectrum of defenses from Wisconsin to UConn? Cause if they're closer to Wisconsin, then I could very easily see yes. a game. That the answers are clear. Yes. Come on. I'm just saying like it, it's, it could look a lot like last year's game where both offenses scuffled to really get anything going And it really only came down to a handful of bad breaks that went against the air force. And so I, I see that and I'm wondering, and I wonder like where, you know, like where that pivot point is going to be because, you know, between Anderson at quarterback, and I believe one of you, one of their slot backs, uh, you know, Tyrell Robinson, 42 carries, but he's averaging nine yards a carry. So I think especially, you know, air forces linebackers are going to have to be ready to contain them because Army's got all the potential to, you know, make life miserable in the the sense that, you know, neither of these teams are going to run for a lot of first, they're not going to gain a lot of first downs on first and second down, but Army's proven plenty capable of putting themselves in a position to just be methodical. You know, their third down conversion rate, for instance, is over 50%. And if it's, and if it's close to that in that game, then, you know, that could pose a substantial problem for air Force. So, but, you know, again, it really depends on who Army has played, because if you look at it more game by game, the stronger defenses have been able to keep Army in check. You know, they were 25 uh, percent you know, third down conversions against Ball State, 42 percent mm-hmm. against Wisconsin. And so I think that's really what it comes down to is like how well is Air Force's defense going to come out and, and play in this game?
1: They'll need the ball because that wake Forest game, not to go back, and I get two more thoughts on that. They held the ball for what 45 minutes, 47 mm-hmm. minutes or something. Something ridiculous. And Wake still scored like 70 points. Well, I think that's funny. Um, speak of that game, because they they threw all over Army. i see I'm, this article from the Gazette, it's like, yeah, Army's issues, it gets a pass unlikely unlikely to have much carryover versus Air Force. I begged I beg to differ there because Air Force, when they go downfield, they, they may not, not throw for 500 yards or whatever. Wake Forest QB did, uh, Sam Hartman, for something, 480 or something. But if if you see has Zeke Daniels, would you see the price match if he goes 7 of 10 for like 150 yards? So I, Maybe so, even more? So I think there's, like, there's a couple. Jeff, of... Real quick, Jeff, one quick thing. Jeff Munkin's like, eh, we we'll don't have to worry about the passing game, essentially. <laughs> That's almost what his quote he said. He's like, there's certainly not a whole lot of carryover defending the pass last week. And then what we're defending this week, I'm like, those are your famous last words if they throw the ball 15 times.
0: So that brings up a couple of questions because one is air force going to be inclined to do that. And two, if they do, are they going to be better at it than they were last year? Because that, again, you know, it was a really defensive slog in last year's loss, but a lot of that had to do with the fact that his Zeke Daniels and that Falcons offense was only six of 14 through the air with three interceptions. Yeah. And so I, I wonder if that's the tack that the Falcons will want to take in the same way that they did, what was it, a couple of weeks ago um, against Wyoming, I believe it was, where they were focused heavily on the run and they came out and there was a stretch after halftime where they, you know, they threw it 10 times in the last two quarters. You know, maybe they do something like that, or maybe they come out and attack early
1: Yeah, in a way, it's that, the in a way that, we,
0: that we don't really see them doing. You know, I say, I think there's a capacity for that. But again, you know, you know, we talked about Christian Anderson having sort of coming back from an injury. Daniels is also coming back from an injury, too. So how much is Troy Calhoun and and Mike Thieson, the offensive coordinator, how much are they going to want to put him in harm's way? You know, versus, you know, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Just hand it to Brad Roberts 25 times and, and let him get 100 and 120 yards and make it a possession game and trust your defense to win the game rather than your quarterback.
1: No, I do. I'm just no. I they're going to stick with the game plan. I'm just saying they may throw a handful more times than normal because of Army's secondary is not very good. Mm-hmm. That's I'm not saying they're going to go out and go throw it thirty times because so that'd be stupid. Yeah, and I think you, and I think the other thing
0: more. the other thing with that in mind is that you know Army is sort of they've sort of been okay as far as defending the run, but a lot of that has to do again with the level of competition that they play. You know, they're 32nd overall in terms of line yards per carry. Yeah, I think Air Force, like you, like you, we've brought up a couple of times now. Air Force could put themselves in a position to really put the lie to that. And be, and you know, I, I look at like havoc rate for instance, and I recognize that unlike last year's team, where Army had like a litany of guys who could get into the backfield and, and disrupt, this year's defense doesn't really have that. You know, they've got one guy. You know, one of their outside linebackers, Andrew, Andre Carter II, with nine TFLs. Nobody else on the defense. Nobody else in the defensive front, mind you, has two and a half, more than two and a half. Mm. And so I see Air Force, you know, looking at that, looking at Army's, you know, struggles in in creating a lot of havoc, especially in the last two weeks. Like they didn't get anything against Wake Forest and they didn't really against Wisconsin either. Is Air Force just going to stick with its game plan, you know, win between the tackles? And, you know prove that their guys up front their offensive line is just better than the guys that army has up front I can I can see that happening just as much as I can see them sort of pulling a change up in the same way that they did a couple of weeks ago against the Cowboys
1: all right so what are the advanced numbers to this one what's the favorites and underdogs and all that good stuff
0: so uh, feI likes Air Force by 3.6 points um, SP plus, Sorry, I thought I had that thing open. Uh, Also likes Air Force by 3.4 points. And uh, Parker Fleming uh, on Twitter at War. His advanced stats preview suggests that the Falcons are a 67.8% win probability. Projected margin of roughly 29 to 22.
1: All right, so what do you say then? What's your prediction?
0: I think it's going to be a fist fight. I think it's gonna be. I think it's gonna be close, but I trust Air Force's ability to be a little more explosive when they need to. So, I've got the Falcon. I've got Air Army covering. I think that's important,
1: but I think Air Force is gonna.
0: Yeah, but I am gonna take Air Force to win twenty-one to twenty.
1: Interesting. I they'll beat the over. That's thirty-seven. I, I think it'll be close, but more comfortable. We're going to go 24-14 for Air Force. All right. All right, next game. The Bronze Boots, CBS Sports Network, uh, 130 Mountain, 1230 Pacific, CBS Sports Network, the Rams are a three-and-a-half point road favorite. Um, As everybody, was this Jesse or Josh in our DMs that said, the winner gets the boot but gets to keep their coach, so maybe they're the real loser. <laughs> <Huh>. <laughs> That's harsh, but but fair. <laughs> not, not wrong, dude. Coach Adazio on – Dennis Dobb, put a CBS put out like his updated hot seat rankings. As his only his blurb was, "How the heck did this happen versus Utah State?" Mm-hmm. For the how that debacle over ending went, and then Craig Bulls lost four and like is, I'm mean, a serious question: Is Craig Bull in consideration
0: of losing his job if they lose this game? I mean, honestly, what's the buyout number? I think that's going to decide a lot. I don't know. is he the highest paid coach in the conference? Uh, yeah, I believe so.
1: Yeah. I'm just saying that's, um, no, I get what you're Luke's saying. Five in a row, it's not pretty there. He hasn't achieved what people thought he would achieve. He's been fine, but nothing great since Josh Allen was there.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So what do you like, what do you want to see? Cause Levi, um, Williams is getting a second start back to back weeks going up against the Rams defense, which we know is pretty good. They held Utah state in that game was a 20, 26 points, something reasonable, reasonable, nothing outrageous. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess it all comes down to what Xavier Valade, who got – is weird. He got all the carries last week, got all the yards last week. But it's all – they need to find a new game plan for Levi Williams, and I don't know if they can rely on Valade to do as well as he typically does against who. what the Rams have coming after him. Like, they – I just don't know. Maybe it's another game. It's it, – it took – not that he had one game jitters, but you had the one game where, meh, you don't play well, you lose. And now you're going to get some another a pretty good defense this week. Do you think it could –
0: I'm sorry. Could you say he that started
1: again? before, so it's not like it's a out of the blue. Any scene playing time? Like it's not like he's coming out of blue, out of the blue to start. He started a couple years ago. He's played this year. He started last week. I was trying to justify why he was bad last week against San Jose State.
0: Well, I mean, San Jose State was able to get a little bit of pressure on him, but also yeah. like he he he, I just, know. he just hasn't proven to be the most accurate quarterback either. And I think for for the kind of offense that Wyoming wants to run. Like they aren't really sort of like a, a short, like a short field offense in the same way that Colorado State is. You know, they, you know, Centeno likes to get the ball to Trey McBride and just kind of gets out of the way. And I think that that has worked out for them more often than not, especially as the season has progressed. You know, the thing with Wyoming mm-hmm. is like, you know, are they going to be able to stretch the field? And you know, one of the things that they're dealing with now is like, I've never heard how to retire, or he's out for the year rather with a, with an with an injury, and so. Perfect the only kind of reliable wide receiver they have, at least is Isaiah Nair, who like we know he can get his hands on the football, but is Williams going to be able to get it to him? Or is Craig Bull and, and offensive coordinator, Tim Polisek, are they going to be even inclined to keep him the opportunity? Or are they just going to keep it on the ground with Valaday, Titus Swen, Trey Smith, and, and hope well, They tried that, that last week. It didn't work. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, you know, how are they going to choose to approach this game? Because it it seems like it's sort of, for lack of a better term, damn if you do and damn if you don't.
1: I know they need to lean on the run, clearly. But this game, they, he's got to be like step more accurate. Like mm-hmm. They don't need him to throw 25, 28 times. Give him 17 pass attempts. If he can go 10 to 17, that's fine, right? That's good enough.
0: As long as he's moving the chains. Yeah. I just don't know. <laughs>
1: So what are the Rams, like, can the Rams bust through this defense then? The Wyoming defense, which has guys like Chad MoMA and stuff that are pretty good?
0: That's an excellent question. Because Jimmy when I right, went on to
1: right back another week, Todd Santeo playing reasonably well the past couple weeks, much improved, I should say. Give him all the credit.
0: Yeah, and I think, you know, one of the questions for the Rams is, like, are they going to be able to get the run game going again? That's a problem. David Bailey, yeah, we'll see. It's kind of sort of scuffled a little bit in the last couple of weeks, you know, between, you know, the performance at Utah state and at Boise state, um, you know, actually over the last three games that they played, you know, they've failed to crack four and a half yards per carry on the season as a team. And this isn't, you know, adjusting for sacks or anything, but they're at 3.7 yards per carry, which, you know, maybe D- Dazio is fine with a three, three yards in a cloud of dust kind of offense, but we've seen David Bailey perform at a high level before, but you know he hasn't looked quite the same. He hasn't performed at least at quite the same level since he came back from injury, and so I think you know he could be a, a very big difference maker in this game. You know if they can keep Wyoming from kind of settling on on keying on Santeo in the passing game.
1: Yeah, no, I, that's kind of my point too. It's if Baylor ever runs the ball, if they get, That's how they're going to win. Because I wouldn't. I still don't trust Todd just to wheel them and throw them the victory. Like, Rondon tried another week back, so maybe he's a bit more healthy and he gets more targets. But they're going to need some sort of balanced attack. Because I don't think – like, the way one receiver defense plays, I'm not sure – the reason, The reason like, the over 40-and-a-half so is not going to be a ton of points. Weather's not going to be an issue. It's going to be actually pretty warm there, mid-low-60s for this weekend. But Centeo is going to have to have help. Like, Bailey, for – if he can get what four yards of carry, if he get like eight twenty for eighty, that be that might be good enough, right? Would that be enough? You think to offset whatever Wyman can do, right, they respect both types of uh, run and pass?
0: I would think so. Yeah,
1: is that you think that's realistic for him?
0: Maybe. Yeah, and I mean, you know, the, the, <laughs> I mean the other the other thing, <laughs> the other thing that the Rams have on the Cowboys is like, yeah, the offense kind of you know spins its wheels sometimes, but also they don't turn the ball over either. And that is something else that Wyoming has really struggled with in recent weeks as well. You know, the Rams, I think only have like, you know, they had two turnovers a couple of weeks ago against Utah state, but other than that, they've gone three of their last four games without turning the ball over at all. And I think if they can get another performance like that and sort of avoid the killer mistake that, you know, for instance, someone like Chad Muma could put himself in a position to, to exploit, then I think that's another thing that could easily work out in their favor because, you know, even if they aren't the most explosive offense out there, they really don't, you know, put themselves in a position where they're gonna put the defense in a bad position with a turnover or something like that.
1: So who do you think the most important players for Wyoming on just in general? Is it Levi Williams? For him basically him not to screw up.
0: I mean I mean I mean I mean yeah, because quarterback is the okay. most important op- you know, position on the field. But I think if we're going non-quarterback, you know what I'm looking for is I'm looking for just a better performance out of the offensive line. Because as they came into the year as one of the most experienced lines anywhere in the country, and, and they haven't really played up to it. And they're going to have to in order to get past this Rams team, especially that defensive front, that could make life miserable pretty easily.
1: they well, always go with the practical positions. Come on. But you're not wrong about the offensive line being better. So I think, you know, you said the Air Force Army a rock fight. I think this might be a, a bigger rock fight in this game. Two pretty good defenses, two offenses that are, meh, I'm not too sure about it. But give me, what, what are the advanced numbers say real quick? So I'm predicting it's a low-scoring game.
0: So uh, FBI likes Colorado State by 4.1. Uh, Bill Connolly's SP-plus metric. Uh, let's see if I can find... Okay, so SP Plus likes Wyoming, interestingly. 2.5... Or 2.9, excuse me. They're at home. Yeah, 57% win probability. Uh, and then Parker Fleming's uh, advanced stats preview likes Colorado State. 65% win probability. Projected margin of roughly 24 to 19.
1: All right, I'm going to go with Colorado. and so I'm of the road team. But it's going to be...
0: 20 to 16 something really low that's a so that's a push against the spread isn't it
1: three and a half at the moment
0: oh okay i thought it was four Excuse what is this
1: here is that what it yeah. says in our doc four from the other day
0: probably no no it says three and a half but i mean honestly i would st- I, I think wyoming's going to cover that at least let be close because 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 and it really comes down to how much you trust color to get out of its own way yeah, not much. We saw the field goal attempt, so not much. It seems like they have something—at least one thing—catastrophic happening every single week, and so I don't know that I trust them to cover. But I like them to win. I'm going to say 24 to 21. Okay. All right. I think, right. That, I think, that, I think to that's to the spend? exact. I think that's the exact same score I get for Air Force <laughs> Army, but whatever. It sounds. It sounds about right. To that's me. fine. <laughs> um. How
1: much time do we need? I'm going to apologize to Aggie, Utah State Aggie fans in advance. How much time do we need to discuss the Utah State at the Mexico State game, which is on Flow Sports, which I won't watch. So I'm not showing up money to watch it when they're an 18 and a half point favorite, but the over under is 71 points.
0: Well, I mean I, I mean, I think we can talk about it in terms of what do we want to see from the Aggies against the Aggies. More Devin,
1: more Devin Tompkins. Just give him the ball every time.
0: <laughs> I mean, I, I think honestly, the, the one thing I want to see is the same kind of defensive performance that they put out last week. where And especially in that first half before they kind of let Hawaii, they kind of took the, the pedal off, the, off the, the gas and let Hawaii back in a little bit in the second half. But, you know, by and large, that was their most kind of disruptive uh, uh, game of the year. It was like, you know, they yeah. created turnovers. And I think especially against a New Mexico State offense that, you know, has its fair share of explosiveness, but is, is definitely flawed you know, it's, it's, it's more one-dimensional. They like to lean on the pass out there with the, with Jonah Johnson.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And so I just, I kind of want to see more of, of what I saw last week, especially on the defensive side of things when it comes to Utah State, because I, I don't really see them, you know, being much of a threat to lose this game. But, you know, there's there's a chance that they could let New Mexico State make enough hay where they they maybe not cover or something like that.
1: Yeah, 18 and a half, that's... I agree. This it is more of the games. Like, here, here's what I want to see happen and go. That's what I talked about. Was it was whoever played the UNLB last week. I'm like, yeah, just mm-hmm. Nevada, get good things, do good things against a bad team. Um, do we know, just real quick? I've, I didn't look at this game because it's this game. Is Calvin Taylor Jr. still out and injured?
0: Uh, I haven't seen anything. I know he's still at the top of the depth chart. He didn't but, play last week, though. That's the thing. And they haven't missed him either. Because, uh, yeah, that's what I was like, really
1: Has really stepped up. He hit a big game last week. So, if he's healthy, I want to see what he can do. But one thing to tell QB, like, they kind of – Bonner's been – I don't know if it's an injury thing or just kind of getting out They He's finally finding his groove a bit, playing a bit better. Mm-hmm. So, I just want to see him. He had the, what, four touchdowns last week, I think? Uh,
0: yeah, I four. So. He had
1: three to um, – yeah, three to Derek Wright himself. So, that's, that's why I want to see, too. See if he can play better, keep, continue playing well better. And the, you're right, the defense, because they give a lot of points to Air Force. But – Law Devin Tompkins, Cia Bonner, whoever runs the ball, wherever it's no, or if Calvin Tyler is out there, I'm not entirely sure. I was looking as you're speaking, but I haven't really seen anything about it. But it's going to be a sizable victory for Utah State. I think, and it's a right. if you want to shell up the money, it's 2 p.m. Mountain Time in La, in Las Cruces. So there you go.
0: And and maybe not um, to, maybe not to your you or anybody else's surprise, FBI. We should probably just put that out there. Uh, likes Utah yes. State, 15.7 margin. That's it. Uh, let's see where they are on SB plus. I got to shift over to the other um, SB plus also likes Utah state by 14, 79% win probability. Uh, and then Parker Fleming, as you might suspect also likes Utah state 86% win probability projected final margin uh, 49 to 34.
1: Interesting. I'm they're, going 40 to 12. Sorry. I stepped on that. Sorry. Expecting to shoot you right. They're expecting a, a
0: point explosion. Yeah.
1: I say 40 to 20 Utah state. They win in cover.
0: I think it'll be a little bit higher scoring than that. I'm going to go 52 to 35,
1: 52, 35. Wow. All right. Next game. What do we got here? This um, game, okay. This game hundred bucks to get into this game before hundred maps, but are you go, are you able to get in your way without paying money this weekend? Or are you going to the
0: Boise state at Fresno state game? Uh, unfortunately, I have other plans, so I won't be there personally. No, but okay. I do plan to Four watch. Pacific. On, yeah, I was gonna say CBS Sports Network. Four Pacific,
1: five five points favorite for Fresno State. Joe Boise State has not won back to back games this year, or lost back to back games. Interesting. So, I mean, the Fresno is gonna win, and we can move on. Huh. <laughs> now, let's like one thing we know about this game. You saw it. Was it Parker Fleming did the uh, QB stuff? So like King Buckmeyer. I don't think he's getting enough credit as what we've seen this year because you have Jake Hayner, Carson Strong leading the way by far, and then him, like Hank Bachmeier, is in that not in the category. But like he's a neighbor down the street where he's around the corner, like, "Hey guys, I'm still here. It's okay," but he's not quite to the level the other people have. The larger house down the street,
0: yeah. I mean, I mean, and part of that has to do with the fact that he hasn't been asked to do much on a per week basis as Hayner and Strong but he, you know it's
1: weird because running game is garbage free
0: Boise state <laughs> and you and you wouldn't think so like because obviously i think the, the the glaring mistakes that he's had you know here and there especially in the in the games that they've lost have really kind of stuck in a lot of fans' minds but you know you step back and you look and you realize like he's having sort of a career year to this point like he's got a career high in completion percentage 65% he's averaging 7.9 yards per attempt 15 touchdowns against five interceptions And I think, honestly, you know, that level of performance is something that, you know, even with the news that George Holani might be back to 100%, that he's going to be a full go. Yeah. I think if if I'm Tim Plough, I look at this game and I think to myself, okay, I know what I'm dealing with up front with Fresno State's pass rush. Of course. I, I think my quarterback can beat them. I think my wide receivers can beat president state's defensive backs. And even if they do take a few licks, I can see a situation where like, you know, they look at the the film from the Nevada game and they see what Carson strong was able to do against this bulldogs defense. And it would not surprise me. Like even though obviously Boise state doesn't run an air raid in the same way that Nevada does, it wouldn't shock me if they decided to do the similar kind of thing and just say, okay, Hank, we, we trust you to go win this game for us. Now go do it.
1: He, but they still need to be run the ball reasonably well because Fresno can adjust. Like, say, like, this isn't wrong to say that he could get past and beat Fresno's secondary. But at some point, Fresno should, emphasis on should adjust to, fine, we'll drop eight guys and try to find somebody's open. And so, say, he, say he has a great first quarter. He goes down, or first half, it's like, Boise has like seventeen. Points because they're moving the ball pretty well. Running game, yeah. whatever they're throwing, they'll make they make adjustments. Like, fine, run the ball. We'll only only rush three guys and try to find a hole who's open. Like, no, they, I, I, I they, get what I you're saying. There's going to be some just, adjustments made if that's the case. So I, I do That's I mean, why they need
0: at least some something of a reasonable back around ground game. I should say. But but I think in terms of like you know, I I can throw out all the same numbers that I typically do when it comes to like looking at ground games, especially like opportunity rate, power success rate. And I can repeat that like Boise State to date has not been particularly good by any of those measures, but also they haven't done it without George Holani. And Holani is the type of running back who we know can create space for himself, can make place for himself, I'm gonna... even if the offensive line is sort of hit or miss. And so I look at the fact that like Fresno State's been, you know, pretty good about defending the run, you know, no matter how you want to slice it. But you know, there are some hindrances. You know, they've been a lot better about running rushing the passer, but in terms of the opportunity rate on defense, they're only 81st nationally 45 45.9%, which means that running backs have proven have that they can get to the second level at least a little bit against this front. And so I see I, Holani, am, I see Holani as being the type of running back who could I exploit that.
1: I don't here's my thought I don't trust him anymore. He hasn't proved to be a good running back this year. Well, I'm going off stuff from two years ago from when he was a freshman and had that great season. He's at the moment, he's not very good. None of the running backs are. Well, he, so hasn't, maybe he hasn't been it. healthy like, though. That's we, the thing.
0: If he's healthy, he changes a lot about this game. Yeah,
1: but I, but the, this is like 15, 12 games of him if he's healthy. I'm not gonna rely on him being there to help this team win. If he does, I'll be I'll be fine to be wrong. But I'm not going to go out and say every week we said, like last year championship game, whatever, if he's healthy, they can win. He's the best player when he's out there healthy. When he plays well or not plays well, if he's on the field, they're going to win. he's That's the reason. I don't care. I'm not, I'll, I'll be wrong and say, fine. If he does it I'll be glad to be proven wrong, but I'm not going to rely on him and say that's why they're going to win if he's out there playing. He has to show me something before I'm going to get back and say, yes, he's their main back. Look how many backs had carries last week. They went through everybody. Van Buren, Holani, all these guys got carries and he, I know he can do it, but he hasn't been able to do it. Maybe it's a health thing, but I'm not going to be burnt a million times again saying he's the reason they're going to win.
0: I mean, I guess I get what you're saying. I just don't think you're, I think you're sort of overlooking the fact that he hasn't been a hundred percent this year or last year until now, allegedly. I, that's, well, that's my point. I'm not going to, I want to see it
1: first. I, I can't trust it until he's out there. So like, if he does it fine. But he hasn't done it until this point. So, what would change my mind, even even if he's healthy this week? I mean, I think I'm, I'll be glad to be wrong if he has a great game. So, no, I get what you're saying. So, can anybody stop Jalen Cropper, Ty Jones, or all these guys of Wheatfield? All these guys, Fresno State has.
0: Well, okay. Boys, so, Boys so state do any of that? Speaking of health, you know, Groot Cropper had a, a, a you know, you got nicked up last week, and you know, suffered a he knee did, injury. Yes. And and I think he's on track to practice. He's I believe he's on track to play in this game. You know, same I believe with Ronnie Rivers and a couple of other players. But you know, even right, if, Rivers too. Mm-hmm. Even if Cropper is limited, you know, the other thing that I look for in this game is that you know Boise has been game about defending in the past. Like they've been maybe a little bit better than you think, considering the circumstances that they've had to deal with. But I wonder, mm-hmm. like even without you know, even with a limited cropper, I'm just sort of assuming that he's you know maybe he's eighty percent of what he usually is. Okay, that's fair. I think if if I'm if I'm Fresno, I don't necessarily want to get cute. I just want to go out there and I want to throw the football around too, and I want to prove that Boise State can stop make stops because you know, we already know Hell Reed's out for the year. Roman Confenses is out for the year. Tyra Buff has missed some time recently. And so now, they're, you know, the Broncos have been really digging into the depth chart. You know, they have the transfer Caleb Biggers starting a corner. You know, Rodney Robinson's gotten a lot of playing time and he's been hung up on a few kind of critical pass interference penalties, you know, over the last several weeks mm-hmm. or so. You know, Kaunohi Kanihu. you know, familiar with surname, but, you know, he's played pretty well. But also, like, Fresno might be in a position to take advantage of that potential weakness in a, in a way that other Boise State opponents really haven't been recently. Like, you know, would, it, would anybody argue if I said that they had a better passing game than let's say Colorado State or, or Air Force? Or obviously, you know, I see this, I, again, I see this game is looking a lot like the Nevada game, potentially. Where Fresno State's looking at the film and they see what Carson Strong did. And I say, okay, okay, Jake Hayner, go get to work. And they just, you know, they, they throw the ball, let's say, 65 70% of the time and trust that the quarterback is going to be able to give them a lead that the running game can salt away late. So
1: there are some injuries, because I think what part of it Matt, hinges on Fresno State when he's, is can Jordan Mims play like he did last time? Because we're not sure what Rivers can do, because Mims has had two really good games back-to-back. Mm-hmm. And I think Jay Kaner. J. here's the thing. Fresno can win with a poor running game, boys D state
0: can't
1: win. So it's a just added bonus of to plays as well as last couple weeks. Rivers is out there. That's just enough. And I know Cropper is banged up a bit, but Fresno has a better quarterback. They have a the better running game. They have the better receivers, clearly the better offense overall defense. Fresno has been better. They're not, we're not going to you mentioned like, they're not going to be amazing out there because Bachmar will be able to find his own. But I think Fresno is just more talented in too many areas for Boise State to counter that.
0: I mean, Boise State's put, especially on defense, Boise State's putting together a duct tape.
1: That's my point. (laughs) That's why I see. That's my point. That's why I'm taking Fresno State to win and cover this game.
0: So uh, you probably would not be alone uh, by the advanced numbers. It looks like FEI. Uh, Actually, you know what? I take that back. FEI likes Boise. Interesting. By 3.5. Uh, SP Plus, however, likes Fresno State by 3.8, 59% win probability. Uh, and then Parker Fleming at Stats of War also likes the Bulldogs, 71% win probability, uh, projected margin of roughly 33 to 25. So my score, 33 25. It should be a decent amount of points. Um,
1: it I'm going to go 34-24 Fresno State. Honestly, I think Boise can get get some points in this one. Yeah,
0: I mean, honestly, I think it's going to be a shootout and I think President State's going to have to hold on however they can. 40 plus? Yeah. Ooh, just about. So, I'm going to take Boise to cover because I think it's going to be close. But I do think that President State has a little more offensive talent and I think that's going to maybe make the difference in the end. Oh, and also like that that game's going to be sold out as well. First sellout at Bulldog Stadium since yeah. 2014, I believe. That's why it's 100 bucks to get in. That's true. Um, so, so watch and see if you can get
1: into the game, people.
0: So I have Find Fresno's out. Day winning. I have them winning 41 to 38. Oh, that'll be a good one. Yeah.
1: All right. UNL, UNLV at New Mexico. 4 p.m. Uh, 4, yeah, 4 PM Pacific, 5 Mountain Time. Um, this is a stadium game. So go to stadium.com to watch the game, I guess, or whatever, it's watch stadium.com. Lobos are a slim one-half point favorite. Um, and I, we're going to blast these because so we got to hustle up today, but um, a quick question. Is Marcus Royo in any danger of losing his job this year? Are they just going to write it out and see what happens?
0: So I I can't remember who put it out there on Twitter, but I saw someone make a note that because of the early signing period, you know, I think it's like December 18th or something like that. What well, you're starting to see, yeah, and I think, away. and this is true, of like for instance, Matt Wells at Texas Tech. Teams former coach Matt Wells. Former coach. Yes, I should say that. Teams look <laughs> like they are more willing to pull the trigger if if a regime isn't working because they want to have someone new in place for you know their whoever is set to commit during the early signing period. And so you saw it with Matt Wells. You saw it, I think, more recently with Gary Patterson at TCU. There's already talk that they're going LSU, to have a replacement. And, and by the way, Jay Norvell was put out there in reports as maybe a potential replacement. Or at least, uh, in, you know, someone willing to get an interview down there in Fort Worth. But long story so short, so is Deion Sanders. So, <laughs> all of which is to say, if it's going to happen, it's going to happen like within the next one or two weeks. But I don't think it's going to happen.
1: I, I think it's early, it's just tough when you're like 0 and 14 or something. So, mm-hmm. so this game, we've seen Doug Brunfield suit up in practice. Is there any word if he's going to play? Are they still going to stick with Cameron Thrill? because Brunfield's kind of slowly been working his way back into practice dressing? Getting out there, throwing the ball a little bit. Is there any indication he's going to start at all or play? I Cameron have, hasn't been bad. He's
0: been pretty solid. I mean, give, yeah, he hit given a couple the, picks given last the, week, cer- three. Yeah, given the circumstances. Yeah. I mean, last week is you know, like I, I think if you're a UNLV fan, you probably just write it all the way off. Because, you know, and it seemed like a lot of the, the observers of the game, you know, Steve Cofield, I think, said it, Mark Anderson said it, Tyler Bischoff said it, all the guys who were there in Vegas yeah. and watching this team really closely said that they just came out flat in a rivalry game, which is sort of galling. But I think, you know, yeah, they, were, pro- they were probably never going to be competitive in that game anyway. Nevada was just the better team.
1: They're down 20 to zero, like in the first blink of an eye, they're down huge.
0: And so I look at this game and I see, okay, this is a much better opportunity for them to finally break through, but it's not going to come without some potential, you know, weaknesses to overcome. So like, for instance, they're going to have to prove they can stop the run. If only because, you know, when New Mexico sort of came out with their new look offense in their win against Wyoming, it leaned a lot more on the run than than being balanced in the way that they have been in weeks prior. And so, you know, we still don't know much about Terry Wilson's status, but if Isaiah Chavez gets the start again, you know, then maybe they move him around in the pocket. You know, they move, you know, toward the to the hash marks and sort of you know make him work with half the field rather than the full field. But you know, if they lean on the running game with him, with Aaron Dumas, with Bobby Cole and whomever else is, is getting carries, then you won't know if he's gonna have to prove that it can be as stout against the run as they have been. Which, you know, they've been better than you think on that front. It's just that, you know, in a lot of in a lot of weeks, teams have shown that they can throw against them. And it ha- and it hasn't really mattered. But like in, in stuff rate, opportunity rate, power success rate allowed, UNLV's in the top 25. And a lot of that has to do with the fact that like, you know, they are finally getting Adam Plant and Jacoby Winman some help up front. You know, Brendan Scott was their top prospect in last year's recruiting class. He's got at least one tackle for loss in each of the last four games. You know, Naki Pahina has broken into the starting lineup over the last month. He has a TFL in each of the last three games. So, it is getting to be, you know, a little more balanced rather than a stars and scrubs type of thing on the defensive side of things. And they're going to need that against the Lobos team that, like, even after the mm-hmm. successes that they had against the Cowboys, still dead last in expected points added per rush in the country. So, it is not something that they do well so, against, against something that UNLV has done exceptionally well. And so, they're going to have to do it again if they want to finally break through. So, back to QB
1: situation, really quick for the Mexico, Terry Wilson with the dislocated elbow. <laughs> um, Coach Gonzalez is like, we're going to wait till Saturday. They're waiting. They want him to have at least three days worth of practice. He didn't practice Tuesday. So, all signs point to Chavez starting again with like um, CJ Montes, Trey Hall backing up. So, mm-hmm. If he wants at least three days of the practice on betting. If Terry Wilson's it back will be next game, not this week. Yeah. So there's an update. Uh as for UNLV's offense, it's all Charles Williams, right?
0: I mean, maybe better. But I mean, but but, 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 but New, New, Mexico, New Mexico's Williams, been New Mexico's been, been, been pretty stingy about defending the run there, too.
1: Yeah. No, I'm mean, like the best player on this on the field, most likely, is it's weird because if you look at overall, who's the good players? Charles Williams, like Jacoby Woodman might be the two best players overall. It mm-hmm. doesn't mean the Rebels are gonna win this game. But Williams, like yeah, New Mexico could slow him down, but Williams is able to get 25 plus carries a game. And so and he's probably gonna break one off. And so I I might, I don't know, I might be leaning to the Rebels on this, but I think that's it's clearly he's the key why they're gonna win. But you're right, New Mexico for what they can do and slow him down just enough because we saw well, it was a couple of games ago. They don't give the ball to anybody else besides Williams. So mm-hmm. if he's shut down and stopped a little bit here and there, they're just probably gonna try to see if Cameron Phil can throw or try to get a little more ground game for himself because he I think last week he had what 50, 60 yards versus Nevada or I don't know. He can run okay. But New Mexico's defense, rush defense is not bad about 3.7 yards per play, but they also give up a decent amount of touchdowns at what, 12 or 13 this year. So they're like middle of the pack. They're not great, but they're not bad. But you're also going up against a really good running back. And so that area is something they're gonna have to stop. And if they can slow him down, and make Cameron feel throw, we've seen him be good at throw a couple of touchdowns or him throwing interceptions because he had a multi-interception game last week against the he's, so that. He's, kind of he's got he's
0: got four interceptions on third downs this year. Yeah, that's
1: a problem. You, you got to convert the first downs, right?
0: And I think it's sort of indicative of one other thing that both of these teams have in common, which could make a massive difference if one of them is able to overcome it. It's a it's a common problem. I should frame that. Mm-hmm. Um, neither of these teams are very good at converting third down conversions. UNLV is next to last in the conference, 32.7%. New Mexico is dead last, 24.6%. But you know the big difference is that on defense, UNLV is also terrible at stopping third downs. You know they've allowed opponents to convert 47.5% of the time. <laughs> And so I see a situation where, like, if, you, if, you, if New Mexico can get it together on offense, like if they can play that same ball control type of offense that they did against Wyoming, but also have more success at moving the chains than they did against the Cowboys, you know, that could be one of those things that make things really frustrating to watch for you and you and fan, you know, where you're having this improving defense, but they still aren't in a position where they can make stops and, and kind of and give the offense possessions and, and, and more chances to win the game.
1: This game's gonna be a toss up because I can see the way either team can What do the image numbers tell us in this one? So, uh,
0: FEI likes New Mexico, not by much, okay. though, by, by 1.1. So, that's as slim a margin as you can imagine. Um, SP plus likes the Lobos by a little more, 5.2 percent, or excuse me, 5.2 point projected margin, 62 uh, percent win probability. And Parker Fleming, very slim in favor of the Lobos as well, 52.6 win probability. Uh projected margin of basically 21 and a half to 20 and a half. So one point margin.
1: What are you taking? Or who are you taking, I should say?
0: <sighs> I'm gonna take New Mexico. Okay. Because New Mexico has at least proven that they can get out of their own way sometimes. And that when they sometimes. get a that when they get a lead, they know how to keep it. And I think a lot of that is going to come down to you know the Lobos playing another excellent defensive game. So even if the offense sort of is sort of like hit hit or miss or fits and starts, I trust them to put an up enough scoring drives and to keep UNLV from doing the same. So I think the Lobos are going to win, and I think they're going to cover. Like, what's the line on this game?
1: Um, it's one and a half now.
0: Uh, I'm going to take New Mexico to win and cover. I've got them winning twenty to sixteen.
1: It's going to be close. I could see. Here's how I could say you and you will be winning just real quick. Charles Williams going off like 180 yards and Jacoby Woodman getting to the quarterback because Chavez doesn't play very well. Mm-hmm. But I'm, I'm going to go with you uh, and, or sorry, no, blah, blah, blah. New Mexico, like 24 20. Sure. 24-20. All, right. All right, let's wrap it up here. Quick game here. San Jose State at Nevada, FS2, seven Pacific. Spartans uh, beat one last week. As I said, they eliminated the Cowboys from bowl contention, in my opinion. But uh, can the Spartans defense catch up in this game? Can they keep around with Carson Strong? Uh, they're a 10-point road underdog. Um, I don't see it happening because Spartans defense, good, but not great like last year. And, you know, Carson Strong, Cole Turner, Elijah, or sorry, I was say Elijah Cook, he has been hurt. Uh, Brandon Dubs, Romeo Dubs, excuse me, uh, Toa Tala. And also, is it still going to be still Nick Nash, right? Isn't he still getting the start? I believe so. As far as I know.
0: So so here, here's the so, for San Jose State. He's been fine. Are they going to be able to get pressure on Carson Strong? Because the teams that, the teams that have have given themselves more of a chance to, you know, to beat the Wolfpack. But the big question for San Jose State is, you know, yeah, they've got a, a top 50, you know, defense in terms of sack rate, but you know, Cade Hall barely found his way onto the stat sheet last week and it took him back-to-back sacks on the final drive of the game in order to do it you know, Viliame or has sort of been hit or miss this year. And nobody else has really stepped up to be sort of that impact player that both of those guys wore last year. And so I could see a scenario where like, if Nevada's offensive line still has its issues, then maybe San Jose State can be in a position to exploit it, especially since, you know, you talk about, you know, Dubs and Lockhart and and what are they, you know, what's San Jose State going to do? I think we brought it up before that, you know, the only team in the country that has more passes defended than the Spartans is Hawaii. So they've proven that they yeah. can get their they've proven that they can get their hands on the football. You know, Bobby Brown II and Nehemiah Shelton. We haven't really talked about them, but they've got 17 pass breakups between the two of them. And they finally, last week, found a way to turn those opportunities into interceptions. They got two picks against Levi Williams, and it would not surprise me that if they can create pressure, that they could they could force Carson Strong to do the same. So I wouldn't necessarily say that they're gonna they're just gonna roll over and that Nevada's wide receivers are gonna roll against the secondary because you would have said the same thing last year and San Jose State found a win to get, found a way to win that game too.
1: Yeah, they got the victory last year. Yeah, but it's also not the same Spartans team. Do quarterback um, different coach? We're too far into the year to say different coaches, but different QB. Nick Nash is not the same quarterback as Nick Starkle. Receivers mm-hmm. aren't the same last year either. But the game, maybe we can lean on last year, like you said, what they did, what they can do. Um, I think part of it is like running game for either team, like not necessarily as much as for Nevada, but with is Nick Nash going to run like he does? Is it um, Tyrell Nevin's going to have a big running game? I think, I think part of it, as soon as they say, you should try to play, keep the ball away from Nevada a little bit. And, and, like to, that, and to that point, hurry up a little to, bit.
0: To that point, the only other running quarterback that Nevada has really played this year is Will Howard at Kansas State. And look what happened. And, and Will Howard did <laughs> like he wasn't great at throwing the football, but he scored twice in that game. Ran for you know almost five yards of carry, and more importantly, he opened up opportunities for Deuce Vaughn to do his thing. And so, like I don't necessarily think that Nash needs to run for over hundred yards in the same way that he has in the last two games, in order for him to make an impact. Because I think if they move him around, if they move the pocket that could be one of those things that really frustrates what has continued to be a very strong Nevada pass rush, you know, because I, th- so I think if you, if you have an ability to sort of, yeah. Move, like 60, move 70 around, yards might be good enough. Or maybe, you know, call quarterback draw here or there. I don't think he necessarily has to have the same kind of game in order for San Jose State to have a chance simply by keeping the Nevada's offense off the field.
1: Yeah. Whatever. Maybe like, yeah, it's just even Curry Robinson or Nick, or so not Nash, but Nevin's like, He, I think he needs to run a little bit, like be the threat to run, so where it's a not like a draw play or some sort of play where it it, kind of disguising as a run, but it's a pass play or something, or or something like that. That's because again, Nevada's defensive line has been better, but you never know. Running QB adds a different dimension when the line hasn't had to face that in about a month.
0: Yeah, so I mean, I think it's a trickier matchup than you might suspect at first glance.
1: Yeah, I I still think I still take Nevada to win. I just think maybe San Jose State can kind of be a thorn in the side and kind of just poke and prod and maybe keep it a bit closer than people realize. Because, be, oh, the, the San Jose State's not good this year. But they've won two in a row, but it's also unlv Wyoming <clears throat> they, But then again, they're close to San Jose State. So they're not too far off outside of like maybe two, like three games. Mm-hmm. Well, that's – never mind. That's, that's not a good thing I was going to say. I'd be, given the compliment one's not totally deserved. They've had a couple of blowout losses, but they've been playing better of late the past three games. Mm-hmm. Close loss to San Diego State, the two wins, whoever they're with, they're wins. But Nevada, they're gonna take care of business because it's a what was it, a 10-point line, right? Uh yeah, I believe so. So, what do those extra advanced guys say about this one?
0: Uh FEI likes the wolf pack by 14.7. Mm-hmm. Uh SP Plus also likes the wolf pack, not by quite as much though, 6.9, a 65% win probability. And uh, Parker Fleming's advanced stats preview. Pretty, pretty heavy favorite for Nevada. 86% win probability. Final projected margin of roughly 29 to 14.
1: Cool. I'm going to say 30 to 13, sta- uh, Nevada.
0: I got Nevada winning and covering. Uh, Wolfpack 42, Spartans 27.
1: Saw the points there.
0: It is. a all the points, man.
1: All right, final game weekend, Hawaii playing against uh, San Diego State at Hawaii. Is there a trophy for this game?
0: No, but maybe there should be.
1: I just, yeah, I'm just thinking like a surfboarder perhaps. Maybe that'd be a decent one. Both on the maybe, beach. Maybe. Um, <laughs> this is an FS1 game on the islands. Nine mountain time, eight pacifics. Uh, what is that? Six? Uh, no, that's 5 p.m. Hawaiian time out there. Sean um, Cordero's back and quarterback, correct?
0: I believe is it. Right it right is? yeah.
1: I know Richard he was sort Rosado. of limited last week, yeah. So San Diego State, um, in this particular matchup, they're touchdown favorites, and there'll be about a thousand fans in the, in the stadium. I don't think they've increased what's loud at, uh, Clarence T.S. Ching Athletic Complex <laughs> there at the campus of Hawaii. Um, from from last week to this week for San Diego State, come on, freaking Greg Bell, give me some running yards. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, brought a bit better because Lucas Johnson did fine last week. The interception is clear, don't help, but the yardage he put out there, that was. Well above what they want, and he just has to limit those turnovers, and that'll be hard because we saw Fresno get turned over six times. Cortis Davis is back there. Um, San Diego State receivers are just okay. I because there's a reason Aztecs lost last week is because the quarterback tried to lead them to victory, and they're not quite there at that talent level under center.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think you know the big thing for in this game is sort of, sort of the same situation that they had last year. Like Cordero's health status is up in the air because he got knocked out last week against Utah State mm-hmm. too. So keep that in mind. Oh, we we right. may I also see, that. you know, Braden Shager under center at least a little bit in the game. But I think the mm-hmm. bigger problem for the Warriors is, you know, are they going to be able to contain San Diego State's running game? Because I think if I'm Brady Hope, mm-hmm. if I'm Jeff McClinsky, I want to go back to basics with, with Greg Bell. And I want, yeah. to pr- I want to prove that, you know, Hawaii won't be able to stop us, which is almost exactly what happened, especially early in that game last year you know, they had a few big runs, they built up a big lead and then Hawaii was down like, what, 21 to nothing and Something couldn't, like that, couldn't yeah. really mount a comeback. And so if, if I'm the Aztecs, that's sort of what I'm looking for. It's just their ability to, to use the ground game to get ahead and then trust that my defense is going to win the turnover battle and give my offense short fields to extend the lead even further. So
1: I think what... It's going to come down to a few things. You know the Aztecs defense. We don't to dive too much into what they do. They play a good job. They play a good brand of ball and what they want to do and stop mixing quarterbacks. Clearly not ideal for Hawaii. Running the ball for Hawaii has been is hit or miss. A good way to put it this year. Yeah. Is
0: that yeah, that's fair to a say. A nice
1: way without being too mean.
0: <laughs> yeah, they I mean, they, I mean they, they've had, had some, some, they've had some injuries, but yeah, I think it's sort of fair to say. So
1: it's kind of going back to the other game previews you mentioned. Like they're going to need to, especially if Cordero is not 100%, or they bounce around, they need something consistent. And what can be consistent is running the ball. Maybe Calvin Turner gets a few more carries because he's been doing quite well. He's leading the team reception to 52 catches and mm-hmm. also 52-52. 52 attempts, 52 catches. So maybe give him a cup, mix it up with him if your quarterback – because he's a guy who can make random plays. And Aztecs don't see a guy like this ever. Not many teams have a guy who does something as well as he does. Mm -hmm. Uh, i'm not saying he's been a focal point out there but maybe give him a he's getting all his chances he needs i'm saying like if Derek parsons isn't great if hunter's not completely ready to go out there if they're it's just a change of pace guy maybe make him more the norm so the change of pace might be a standard running play where you're always looking for freaking calvin Turner. so just a little bit just just make because you got to be creative against his aztec defense that's getting creative against you so you got to kind of counter that
0: well, see, what's interesting to me is like I wonder if they're going to be more inclined to sort of re- to lean on the short and intermediate game and get the ball to playmakers like like Turner in, in space and, yeah, him. Yes. and and see if he can sort of outmaneuver San Diego State's, you know, athletes in the secondary, or whether they're going to be more inclined to try and stretch the field. Because, you know, we haven't really talked about Nick Martiner yeah, a whole lot. But like he's maybe he's been able to stretch the field maybe more than anybody in the conference, and and nobody's paying attention. You know he's averaging almost 19 yards per catch, only has three touchdowns, but you know he's a guy where you know if if they can give Cordero or Shake or whoever's under center, enough time, you know we just saw last week that you know Jake Haner was able to pick on this Aztec secondary a little bit, and so if Hawaii thinks that they can get the ball down the field too, then Martiner might be the guy to be able to take advantage of it because, you know, he's what, six foot five, six foot six. So he's going to have a height advantage on anybody who's defending him. Sure. And so I wonder if they sort of use the short and intermediate game, you know, get the ball to Turner early in order to set up those deep shots to Mardner and Jarrett smart later, because I think that they can, you know, that's the, sort of their path, I think, to keeping the Aztecs defense off balance and keeping them from just kind of keying on, on stopping whoever's in the backfield.
1: So, can do you have like a path for Hawaii to win this game?
0: I think they I think they need to avoid third and long situations, obviously, because one, but because that's one thing that they've really struggled with this year's you know third and fourth down success rate. You know they're 109th nationally. Um, you know 35.7 percent essentially, um, and defensively, uh, San Diego State is second by that same measure nationally. Yeah. And so I think a lot is going to come down to trying to move the ball on early downs, because if there's one thing that is maybe a strength on strength matchup in this game, that is one thing that Hawaii has been able to do very well, a lot better than you might think. You know, the percentage of first downs that they've been able to earn on first, and second down 74%, which is 13th nationally and against an ASX hmm. defense that's in the top 30 themselves on defense you know, how well the Aztecs can move the ball on first and second down might go a long way toward ex- uh, uh, determining who wins.
1: No, that's totally makes sense. And remember, if we've seen what Aztecs can do, if they're often in struggles, they're not going to win. It's going to be very difficult. Yeah. So I don't know if why so secondary is good, but like Aztecs aren't going to throw the ball to Lucas Johnson.
0: Yeah, so, exactly. So like their strengths might be sort of neutralized in a way that they aren't always.
1: Yeah, it's like, yeah. Yeah, that's the problem. So what's the advanced number say in this one?
0: So FEI likes San Diego State by a 9.1. Uh, SP Plus also likes the mm. Aztecs, 9.5, 71% win probability. Uh, Parker Fleming's advanced stats preview likes the Aztecs, so it's a clean sweep, 77% win probability, projected margin of roughly 25 to 15. So what do you say? I think the Aztecs should be able to put the clamps on the Warriors in this game. I like them to win and cover. I'm going to say 28 to 17.
1: I'm going to go, I think they'll cover. I'm going to go. I'll go a close one. 21, 10 for San Diego state. So all right, just then. enough. All right. So that wraps up for this week. 10 recap. MWR.com is all of our stuff. I'll say we write about projection and rankings, playoff stuff, um, basketball starting up soon. So keep a look at that for starting next week. So We'll be back on Sunday, I'm guessing. So at some point Sunday. So check your podcast feed and we'll be back for another show to uh, go over the week, freaking week 10, man. We'll see what happens. Mm-hmm. So everybody have a good one.